I'm Ada Petrichko, and this is a Vespucci story. Dear Daya Meju, I always knew it would have to happen. Each of us gets roughly eight years. Eight years of red satin, chariots, gold. Eight years of being served and pampered. Eight years when our word is law. When even the king touches our feet. Then we have to go. So I'm writing to you because I used to be you. No one will understand a Kumari like another Kumari. I wanted to share some things I could never tell anyone else. And if I can be of any service, I will prepare you for what happens when you turn 12. Perhaps, like me, you are a curious child, asking many questions. The world is a beautiful mystery. And although you are surrounded by people who treat you with nothing but love and care, they often forget to explain things to you. You are a goddess after all. You should have all the answers. But you don't have them. You know way too little about the outside world. Only 13 times a year you visit it. The rest of the time you're there in the palace. So here is a letter from the outside world. A story of a girl in red, just like you. A virgin goddess turned mother, wife, and a software engineer. From your dire Tata. Goddess sister. I hope it helps. Do you know why we become Kumaris, Daya Meju? Has anyone told you the legend? Long time ago, the king of Kathmandu, Jaya Prakash Mala, befriended the wise goddess, Taliju. Every evening while playing games, she advised him on politics. Then one night, the queen secretly followed the king and discovered their friendship. Convinced that they were having an affair, she threw a fit which insulted Taliju so much that she vowed never to come back. The king grew desperate, knowing that he couldn't rule without her advice. He prayed and made offerings until finally she agreed to return, but not in person. She made the king choose a young virgin from the upper caste 
who was to embody her from then on. You will revere and worship her, and through her, I will help you. Well, since then, every eight years, a new girl is chosen to leave her family and move into the palace. Just like you. You begin your term in office around the age of four and finish by the age of twelve. As the royal Kamari, the living goddess of Kathmandu, you are at the center of religious festivals and daily rituals. Worshippers drink water from your feet and ask you for guidance while you sit still. Like a living statue. All of your clothes and personal objects must be red. The color of prosperity. You are not allowed to leave the palace, save for those 13 rare occasions when you participate in festivals. Outside, your feet must not touch the ground, so you are carried on a palanquin or pulled in a chariot. No one can order you around. Everyone, including the king, touch your feet in the sign of utmost respect. And to this day, the Queen of Nepal is banned from your premises. Do you remember anything from before the palace? I don't. As if I was born a goddess. My first real memory comes from Indra Jatra, the festival in the valley that stretches as far as the eye can see. I am four years old and I am in my chariot, which can be quite shaky, but mostly feels like a moving house. I'm too high up for people to touch my feet, so they try to at least catch a glimpse of me. I'm happy to be outside and I like the attention. But I don't feel like speaking or smiling at people. When I'm wearing my Naga necklace, I'm not the same girl. I am powerful. The necklace is golden and heavily embroidered with nine types of stones and a red and blue snake, yet it is not heavy, or perhaps we just don't feel its weight. It is a part of us. There is a man dressed as an elephant and lucky all around me, people dancing in masks and playing music. They have huge eyes, long teeth, and they scare the kids my age who watch from the sides. Of course, since I am wearing my Naga necklace, I'm not afraid of anything. I never doubt the necklace and I never doubt my power. It is why people come from far away to worship me. Like that boy who couldn't speak. He was seven. I was maybe five. He came every day to drink water from my feet. And after a few months, he started to talk. 
I'm probably six years old when I begin to understand that I'm different than other girls. I'm not allowed to go outside. I mustn't touch leather. I can't have chicken or its eggs. Duck is fine though. When my meal involves cooked rice, I have to eat it alone. Also, my family is not my real family. My home is not my real home, and my name is not my real name. As a matter of fact, I don't even know my real name because nobody ever calls me Rasmila. I am Daya Meju, goddess lady. Only the children of my caretaker, who are like brothers and sisters to me, call me Daya Tata. My real siblings, four sisters and a brother, live with my real parents in my real home, a few streets away from the palace. But since I was sent away at the age of four, I have no memories from this place. The family visits me every Saturday. And my siblings play with me, but I still feel shy around them and often ignore them. I can't talk to my parents. I know they are my real mother and father, but what does it mean? My caretaker, Taba, and his wife, Fufu, feel like my parents. The palace feels like home. My world is red. I wake up in my red sheets, jump out of bed onto a red carpet, and open the red curtains of the windows. Then I move to my own bathroom, where I use a red toothbrush and a red towel. I always dress in the same set of clothes. My blouse is red, my socks are red, and so is my skirt, ankle length since no one is allowed to see my legs. Fufu, or one of her daughters, pull my hair up into a bun and apply my daily makeup. Sitting in front of the mirror, I watch them paint black lines that run from the corner of my eye and almost reach my hair. The finishing touch is a red tikka on my forehead, or maybe a golden third eye. My mornings are for duties. That's when I'm worshipped and when I'm schooled. An old man makes me recite multiplication tables. There is a real school next door. And I often watch it from my windows. I wonder if I will ever learn what they learn. Sitting by the windows is one of my favorite things to do. Always in the same spot. At the front wall of the palace, with a little chair next to it. I spend hours there watching Durbar Square. 
from time to time a vehicle passes by. But mostly I see people moving in all directions. Who are they? What do they do? Daba explains that most of them go to offices. What is it about these offices that make people walk so fast? There are also tourists, meaning foreigners with cameras on their necks. They are very interested in me for some reason, like they have never seen a goddess before. I'm not sure if I would enjoy their life. It seems very different to mine. They may be able to go everywhere they want, but I can cure children. When I'm not busy being worshipped, I love to play and watch movies. In the early 1990s, hardly anybody in Kathmandu could afford a TV. But in the palace, we have foreign channels, cartoons and even a DVD player. In the evenings, the whole family gathers together in front of the TV. One of my favourite films is Sarjan a Bollywood love story between three people. The songs from Sarjan are quite a hit, and whenever I'm alone in the house, I dance to them, imagining I'm Madhuri, the heroine. I climb the stairs to the top floor of the palace, and using the huge framed photograph of King Tribhuvan as a mirror, I swirl to Madhuri's voice. Has it ever occurred to you, Daya Meju, to just open the door and walk out of the palace? To me, it did not. Although I used to ask many questions, some of them never occurred to me. Like, what does it actually mean to be a goddess? Or is it fair that I didn't have a choice? And when one morning, not long before my 12th birthday, Daba informed me that the next day I will be leaving the palace, I also didn't ask questions. I always knew I would have to leave. I knew that eight years earlier I had replaced another girl in the palace. Now it was my time to be replaced. But just as I understood so little of the outside world, I didn't fully understand what leaving meant. I thought it meant moving. I thought I'd change houses but keep my necklace, my dolls, my identity. 
the reality was quick to correct me. A new Kamari had already been chosen. I met the four-year-old Amita Shakya the next day for a secret ceremony. In the presence of only Taba and a priest of the Talaju temple, I handed the Naga necklace over to her. I suddenly felt small. It was not easy to see her take my place. My bedroom. My necklace. My family. A complete substitution overnight. I felt jealous about the attention she was getting, so of course I decided to ignore her. Then my real family arrived. All in smiles and their best clothes, and for the last time I mounted my palanquin. Taba and Fufu were crying as they watched me leave for my parents' house, a strange place I was now supposed to call home. I could really use some of the strength the necklace gave me in my first weeks as a mortal. The whole world was a disappointment. I was disappointed by the house, small and dark. And the family, unfamiliar. They were disappointed by me. I didn't call my parents mother and father. Father I addressed as Kune Chomamanu, person from below. Mother I called by her nickname. I lost my appetite and refused to sit with them. When I needed something, I wouldn't ask. I demanded it. For a while they gave in to me, but special treatment gradually ended. When they started refusing, I felt angry. I would cry or stop talking to them. Even though the Kumari Palace is a few hundred meters away, I couldn't locate it. For the first four days, I was still treated as a Kumari, as apparently I had some of Talaju's power left in me. Then a priest from the Talaju temple arrived to perform a ritual and I officially became a mortal. I didn't cry, but I felt pain inside. All I had left was a red dress. A week after I left the palace, I went to visit my aunt with my father, and on our way back, I saw the lights of the Kumari house. I broke out of my father's hand and started running. I didn't care if I hurt him. I'm here to visit, I told Taba when he opened the door, slightly surprised. I missed this place so much that I stayed for a whole week. Taba's family still called me Daya Meju, and anyone who knew that I used to be a Kumari would touch my feet. I continued to ignore Amita, the new goddess. After a week, my eldest sister Pramila came to fetch me. 
it's time to go to school, she said gently and, after a moment of hesitation, I reluctantly let go. It was the period of many firsts. The first time I walked in shoes. I, who only wore red velvet socks and never touched the ground outside of the palace. The shoes were slightly too big and felt odd. I placed my feet so carefully that my family had to wait for me at every corner. Oh, I almost forgot. The shoes were made of leather. Can you imagine? After eight years of being told that leather was dirty, that my skin must not touch it, that it was impure, and so were the people who wore it. And now I had to fold it around my feet every day. Then there was the first time I went outside by myself. About six weeks into my mortal life, I headed to a nearby alley to buy chocolate. Dairy milk, my favorite at the time. This was also the first time I had money in my pocket. The first time I was called Rasmila. In the beginning, I didn't react. I was that out of touch with this name. It took me about two months to start feeling like a Rasmila. The first day at school. Although I went straight to the second grade, I was still about two heads taller and four years older than other kids. Everyone was kind to me, but I struggled. I was lagging behind in all subjects, except for mathematics, for which I seemed to have a natural gift. Last but not least, the first friends. That was hard. At the palace, I could order my playmates to do whatever I wanted. My wish was their command. We were close but never equal. When I became a mortal, I usually wouldn't reveal that I used to be a Kumari. Otherwise, they would be making friends with someone from the past. A few months after my return, my sister took me to visit Anita Shakya, another former Kumari. Do you remember, Amita, the little girl who took my place in the palace? Well, I replaced Anita, just like Amita replaced me. Eight years later, Anita still lived at home. Her grandmother still called her Daya Meju. She left school, never married, and spent her days cooking and applying makeup. I know why my sister brought me there. I realized that this was not what I wanted. I had to learn to live like other people. When I started school and made my first friends, I began to forget the palace. Daya Meju, once you leave the palace, you must be prepared to step out of the story, even though legends will swirl about you. Like the story of the bull's heads, people say that girls audition to become the next Kumari by sitting in a dark room full of decapitated bull heads as part of a selection process. If she doesn't cry, she is considered brave enough to be a goddess. 
or the marriage story. For centuries, people believed that because Kumari is a virgin deity, whoever marries a former goddess will die young. So the former Kumaris were not only uneducated and completely unprepared for the challenges of life, but also men were afraid to approach them, believing they would be cursed. This is the most harmful story of them all. When I first met Nabin, he didn't care whether I used to be a goddess, a princess or a ghost. He was interested in the person sitting across from him at the restaurant where we had lunch, in the company of our mothers and his sister. I remember thinking he was a little short, but during the second meeting, I noticed something else. He was kind. I liked his smile. I agreed to marry him. We saw each other twice before the wedding, each time for about half an hour. It was an arranged marriage. A year ago, we became parents. The year we got married, the biggest earthquake in a century struck Nepal. 9,000 people died. Our area in Kathmandu was hit particularly bad. The earth was shaking for almost a minute, throwing people to all sides. Our house cracked, but we survived without a scratch. My husband told me later, I'm lucky I married a goddess. I've always felt somehow protected. My dream after high school was to pursue architectural engineering, but my grades were not good enough to enroll in a government college and I didn't have the money to pay for a private one. If I wasn't a Kumari, I might have gotten in. I realized how unfairly I had been treated. I had been deprived of education and left without any form of support. I had to fight to be educated, to become more than just an ex-goddess. So I started to speak out and to talk about it in interviews. The debate I started led to reforms in the Kumari tradition and today the goddesses receive a formal education and a lifelong pension. The idea of a pension angered me though, Dayameju. I felt like once again someone is giving me food instead of teaching me how to cook. I never wanted a pension. I wanted a scholarship. I pursued my second choice, software engineering, and went on to become the first former goddess with a postgraduate degree. Today, I work for Microsoft Unlimited as a software developer. I build audio programs for banking systems. I like this job. It is challenging. And there's something goddess-like about it. You create with your commands. If there's anything I could ask you, Daya Meju, it's this. Please seize the opportunity to be independent. Educate yourself. I still have the image of Anita in my head. The girl who remained a goddess in the small Kathmandu apartment 
with her grandmother as the only worshipper. There's one more thing people may forget to tell you, Daya Meju, just as they forgot to tell me. Life will never be so easy again. As a Kumari, you will be worshipped, indulged, pampered. And then you will have to let it go. You will learn to share, to compromise, to not always come first. When I lived in the palace, I used to think that people go to offices for fun. Only after I left, I realized they work hard to afford a few things. So I'll surprise you now, Daya Meju. If I could choose, I would stay a Kumari forever. There's no going back, of course, and your turn to leave the palace is coming. Your world will no longer be red. You will never be a goddess again. But there are other types of power. Yours, Rasmila. <laughs>